Hi, and welcome back to A Walk Across Texas State. I'm Zachary, and today I'm joined by Emily. On today's episode, we spoke to Christy Morgan, a technical program manager at Facebook. We spoke to her about her experience as a woman in STEM, and she also provided some tips for students who are interested in working in the STEM field, and more specifically, at Facebook. We had a great time getting to know Christy and hearing her story, and we hope you will too. We have uh, Christy here. We're so excited to talk to you about your position. Also talk to you a little bit about the in, in kind of side scoop on Facebook. Um, and I think the best place to start for our students, uh, would you mind kind of telling us what the day-to-day looks like in your role? I know in your intro, we're going to tell your exact title, but what does that mean per se, as far as your day-to-day duties at Facebook? Yeah, so I'm a technical program manager. Um, We love acronyms at Facebook, so I'm a TPM. And I basically have um, a team of, there's probably five of us right now that that split regions around the globe um, that have different data centers that we're responsible for. So my day involves lots of meetings where I'm interacting with each data center team around the globe. Um, I have Western US and Europe. And so I have a lot of cross-functional team meetings with all of the different partners at the data center campus. Um, That includes people like the construction, the security teams, um, the teams that do procurement, and lots of other program managers for different disciplines. So there's a lot of us that work together to try to make sure that we're all marching in the same direction to get our data centers built online and secure so that we can provide more capacity um, for all of our services. That's awesome. I, I think it's interesting that you have such a large geographical area that you work with, the Western yeah. U.S. and then Europe, all of Europe. Yeah, so. it does make my um, meeting times a little bit challenging sure. because I do end up having early morning meetings with Europe and later afternoon meetings with the West Coast, but thankfully I do have a lot of flexibility in my schedule. You know, if I have a 6 a.m. meeting and an 8 p.m. meeting, you bet that I'm going to take a couple hours off in the afternoon to actually have some downtime. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like all I do is meetings, but really my role is extremely cross-functional where I'm working with teams. um, And we're basically working on, like, my biggest thing is keeping things on schedule um, making sure that we have material availability and making sure that we're we're managing risks. So a lot of the typical PM project management type of activities. Awesome. Awesome. Well, what I'm curious about is kind of how you got there. And I really want to start with um, your education and deciding to study engineering, both for your uh, undergrad and graduate programs, um, and just how how you progressed from there. Um, what I'm particularly curious about too is how STEM is still a male-dominated field, and just kind of how you you felt being in that space, and how you've kind of made your your mark as a woman in STEM. Yeah. So um, as a kid, I was always drawn towards the subjects and disciplines where there was a right or wrong answer. Um, I liked math and science because it was a lot more black and white. Um, I didn't enjoy the social sciences or humanities or things as much because they were so subjective and I could write what I thought was a great paper and I could still get a bad grade on it. It was like, what? This doesn't, it didn't mesh with me. Um, I'm very analytical thinker. And so my dad was an engineer. Um, He was actually a physics major, but became an engineer. 
And so in his mind, engineers are like the smartest people on the planet. So I just followed in his footsteps in that way. And it made sense with kind of my interests. Um, but when I went into undergrad, I studied chemical engineering because I also really liked um, the science aspect of it. Um, so chemical engineering was a really, really rigorous program. And it was, I spent four years where I basically didn't get to choose any of my classes. My program was laid out for me. Um, and I did an internship my summer before my senior year in a lab and realized I just didn't like it. Um, being in a lab environment, not talking to other humans, not seeing the light of day. I mean, I was in a room with like film on the windows because of my experiments. And as much as I liked the engineering aspects of, you know, the studying and the research and the data, I didn't like the day to day of what it was like to work in a lab. And so as I looked for a career coming out of school, I really wanted something that could utilize my technical background, but that also gave me the opportunity to work with people. So out of school, I ended up working, um, kind of falling backwards into a supply chain and operations type of role um, because you did have to understand the tech. Um, I was in a manufacturing environment for a medical device company. So you had to understand manufacturing. You had to understand the technology that we were building. But I got to work with people and I got to work with the operations aspect of things. So I did that for a while, um, but then I really wanted to go into more of a mission-focused um, role, and I was really interested in energy and the environment and kind of the impacts that we have on the globe. So I decided to go back for my master's in environmental engineering. And there are a lot of chemical engineers that go into environmental engineering. There's, you know, you think of chemical engineers going to work for oil companies a lot, but there's also those of us who want to work for the opposite. So I went the green route. And after getting out of that program, um, I wanted to get out of supply chain, but I ended up kind of like that skill set was really valuable. And so it turned my career into kind of a combination of the environmental aspect, um, the supply chain aspect. And I found consulting was a really good fit because I was able to consult for energy and utility clients and use those problem solving skills that I had learned in engineering, but the soft skills and the people to actually work with the clients and want them to, you know, have you back and give you more business. So I did consulting for about six years and really enjoyed it. But I also felt like I was, my environmental impact was terrible. I was living in hotels 200 nights a year. I was flying all over the globe. I was not like practicing what I preach as far as like actually being green. Yeah. So I kind of took a third career step. So I'd worked in supply chain for medical devices. I had done consulting for six years for utility companies. And then I went to Tesla and I felt like that was very much focused on the mission driven part of my background and, and what I was looking for. But um, that was where I got into engineering program management for the first time. And it was a great fit because it combined those skills that required me to understand how to explain things to a variety of people um, 
you as an engineering program manager, I was technically on the engineering team, but I wasn't designing the widgets. I was helping the engineers work with all the cross-functional partners. Um, so that's kind of what led me to where I am today. I have the technical program manager, engineering program manager are very similar titles. And so I'm doing that now at Facebook. So it's a very different organization, but it's um, a similar role in that I am kind of that liaison between the engineers who are doing the tech and the rest of the organization that's, you know, trying to strive towards a common goal. Awesome. That's great. Well, it's, I always love hearing people's career progression. I just think it's so interesting to see how it weaves and how all of the observations that you make about yourself and each of those positions leads to the next thing. Um, so I know that, um, you know, in terms of kind of going back to, uh, being a, being a woman in STEM, I know you've, we've talked previously about, um, that it's a, a little bit 50-50 at Facebook now, but some of your experiences of that and, and how that also shaped maybe some of the decisions you made in terms of your career choices um, for, for make, working in an inclusive environment. Yeah, so, so my um, undergraduate was about 50-50 female to male, and um, you do kind of see that in some of the engineering disciplines. I think chemical engineering is one of the higher um, female percentages of students, but you do see a drop-off in the workplace. You don't see that same ratio. And I am fortunate to work on a team that's about 50-50, like I mentioned to you. Um, it's actually the first time in my career. So if you take my year of my master's out of it, I've worked for 15 years now, and this is the first time I've had a team that was as diverse. So I'm lucky in that sense. But if you look at Facebook overall, most of our software engineers, um, there's a lot higher percentage in tech of men. So it's about 75% men, 25% women in tech. And overall at Facebook, it's 37% um, women. So I am fortunate that I have a team that's more diverse, but um, at the company as a whole, we do see that, that there are still a lot of men in, in these fields. And um, one of the things that I think is important is that it's hard to strive towards a position, whether that's in leadership or whether that's just a um, high-level individual contributor, if you don't see other people like you in those roles. And so one of the things that I am really proud to see Facebook doing is putting an emphasis on women and minorities in leadership so that there are people for us to look up to and strive to be and not feel like you have to go somewhere else um, to make it you know, up the ladder. So for me, I've not felt that I was discriminated against in any of my roles, but there have been times that it's been hard. Like when I was at Tesla and I would be the only woman in the room and there'd be, you know, 20 guys making decisions about things. There are just different um, aspects of the way women and men communicate. And there are times that you can say something as a woman and not be heard and a man can say it and people listen. And so what I found is that in my role now and in some of the programs, we have a women at Facebook group. Um, we have a group that's specific to the enterprise engineering organization that I work in that's called She. We have a bunch of different, uh, just kind of the, I don't want to call them like the HR, like fuzzy stuff, but there's a lot of these other 
types of initiatives that are really focused on helping women support each other. And when there is another woman in the room and she recognizes that you've gotten talked over or that your idea was ignored, she can support you and she can say, hey, you know, Emily had a great idea. Let's let her elaborate further on that. And um, when you have a lot of people within an organization who are talking about these things and who are willing to step out and lift each other up, that I think makes a huge difference and, and makes it so that you don't feel as embarrassed or isolated or just, I mean, some of us are more introverted, some of us aren't, but it's not like all women are afraid to speak up, but there's just, it makes it easier when you have more people who are going to support you in what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember you talking about like that there's, there's a lot of different ways to connect with people um, through Facebook. Um, in terms of the, you know, different interest groups as well. So I just was yeah. curious if you could touch on some of those. Yeah, we call them FBRGs, another acronym, Facebook Resource Groups. And that was one thing that um, I was really excited about in the beginning. And I joined a ton of groups. And for me, I'm in the Austin office, um, but a lot of my teammates are in the Bay Area or they're in Europe or they're in Singapore. And so it's hard to get to know your colleagues. And now in this virtual environment that we're in, I think a lot of people are feeling that it's hard to get your colleagues to know your colleagues when you're not face to face. So these resource groups are great because you can get to know people in the same way as like if you're on Facebook and you join a Facebook community like cat lovers or whatever, you get to meet people. And like, I have friends that I've literally never met in person, but I feel like I have a great relationship with because we share common interests and we share photos of our cats, you know, sitting on our keyboards when we're trying to work and all the other, you know, crazy stuff that happens. But I mean, when I joined Facebook, I immediately joined the cat lovers group, the dog lovers group, the Peloton group, the women at group, there are groups that do book clubs. There are groups that do food tasting. We have a coffee lab in Austin where like people get really serious about their cold brew and their pour overs and all that kind of stuff. So of course there's a coffee group. And so it's just really nice to be able to connect with your coworkers um, in those ways, as well as in, you know, your typical meetings and, and things like that, because you can just build those friendships and relationships remotely that you just have a hard time with when you're not able to, you know, have the normal water cooler talk. Right. I think many of our students are going to be going into positions that are remote now. And yeah. while remote work was around before the pandemic, it's been pushed um, to be way more normal in the corporate world now. Um, what advice do you have uh, for students when they start a remote job on how to build those connections, um, how to feel like you're a part of a team um, when you're not physically in the same space as other folks that work with you? So I think there's a couple of things that that I would recommend. Um, I've had a couple of teammates start remotely since we've been in this, you know, pandemic world. And, and one of the things that we do is, you know, it is hard. We have so many meetings on the calendar every day that it's hard to sit and add more screen time that isn't, you know, extremely purposeful. Mm -hmm. But I do find a lot of value in setting up one-on-ones with my team members, even if it's just for the first like month or two, where we're checking in on a regular basis and just saying, hey, how's it going? What can what can you help? 
what can I help you with? What can you help me with? What are you working on? What are you struggling with? And I have one-on-ones, not just with like my manager and my skip level manager, but I have one-on-ones with my peers. I have one-on-ones with people who I've had mentor mentee relationships with that really just help you um, stay connected. And I found at Facebook, at least people are really receptive to that. So if you see a leader in a meeting, um, if you talk to your boss and you say, Hey, who are the people that I need to know? Who are the people that are going to help me in my job? Who are the people that are going to be beneficial for, for me to just know in my office when we do eventually go back and, um, you know, reaching out to those people and saying, Hey, can I get 15 minutes on your calendar? And just making sure that, you know, you are still trying to, um, build a network, even Mm -hmm. if it is not as, you know, organic where you just run into somebody in a hallway, um, really ask your manager, ask your peers, who are the people you should be actually trying to, you know, make these relationships with and, um, and utilize that as much as you can. Awesome. Thank you. Well, another thing I think that our, our students would be interested to know is, um, you know, how to get in at Facebook, if they were interested (laughs) in, in working there someday, what would be some words of wisdom that you have for them in being a competitive candidate? Yeah. So, I mean, we have so many roles open right now. There are, um, the organization is, is just growing like crazy. And I think that a lot of companies, you know, it feels like if you submit a resume online, it goes into this black hole that, you know, looks for keywords and you get filtered out and that's it and your chances are gone. So, um, you know, there's a couple of things that you can do to try to get around that. One of them is to participate in any sort of career fair. And I know career fairs are different now than they were when we could all be in person all the time. But um, my first several jobs, I got through career fairs and I found that the best thing you could do is when you go to talk to somebody at a booth is ask the people what they do. Don't go into it just trying to sell yourself. Go into it really with an inquisitive mindset. People love to talk about what they do. If you go to a booth and you say, hey, I'm, I'm interested, you know, what is it that you love about your job? You're going to get a lot of information that then you can take back and you can say, okay, number one, is this something that, you know, meshes with what I'm looking for. And number two, once you hear about that person in that organization, you can then think about your experiences and your stories and your background and make comparisons and and find common areas that you can say, Hey, I've done that too, or I enjoy this as well. And, and like really make those bonds early on. So that was one thing that really worked well for me, um, earlier on. And then utilizing your network, go onto your LinkedIn or whatever you use and connect with people, whether you're, you know, finding someone who works at Facebook or whether you're just finding, um, an acquaintance who has a, you know, third connection who works at Facebook, but find a way to connect with people who do work at the company or in the industry that you're interested in. And a lot of times companies have referral programs. Facebook has a great referral program. I've actually gotten um, two friends hired and I came in as a referral. And so that referral network, whether or not you know someone really closely or whether you're just reaching out as a friend of a friend, um, you know, people are, are often willing to help. So, you know, my referral came from a woman that I worked with at Tesla and she said, Hey, you got to check out Facebook because 
you may not think that it's aligned with your priorities because it's a social media company, not something in the world of green, but she said, they really value their people. We're really taken care of. Well, you're going to be a lot happier here. And um, so it was that referral that got me in the door. And I've definitely tried to kind of pay it forward and and refer others to uh, bring them into this much healthier environment. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One other thing I was curious about, just because it seems like you did this throughout your career, is like how to think about transferable skills and how students can be building those to to help them as they're applying to to jobs. Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, you know, if you have a resume, you may have a list of jobs that you've worked at, especially if you're coming right out of school. You may have like, I worked for a athletic club and worked at the front desk and I worked as a receptionist at a river ref company. And I had all these different types of jobs that I had always worked during summers and, you know, had experience as an employee, but it didn't seem like those would be really applicable in the professional world, but you'd be surprised. There's a lot of things, whether it's um, a summer job you've had or whether it's a club that you've been an officer of, but finding stories that you can use as examples to show qualities that that company is looking for. So if you read a job description and it says, we need somebody who is a good communicator or is a good leader or can deal with adversity, think about situations that you've had in any part of your background, whether it's a class or a job or a volunteer opportunity, and think about how you can tell that story and talk about the situation, talk about the behaviors, talk about the results and frame it in a way. And it can be anything from like, When I was working as this receptionist at the River Raft Company and somebody came in and they didn't have the right, you know, ticket that they had to use and we worked together and we resolved the situation and they were really angry when they came in, but they left happy and we had a repeat customer because of that experience. You know, it it could be anything like that, but it just shows your problem solving or your critical thinking or your customer service skills or your, you know able your your ability to communicate in a way that solved a problem and made everybody happy in the end you can take any situation that you've been in and frame it in that way that's going to show that you are going to be a good team player to work with and it doesn't nobody expects you to come in and know all the things i didn't know anything about data centers when i joined this team but i knew what it took to be a cross functional team player mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome thank you for sharing all of that um, we, we preach that to our students all the time, but I'm like, listen, someone at Facebook is saying the same thing. So you, yeah. you have more, you have more street cred here, so. <laughs> but thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate hearing about your experience, but also like, uh, Emily said, sometimes it takes someone else saying the same things that we, we tell our students for, to really solidify in their minds, um, here that you've been so successful using some of the skills that we kind of preach. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. A Walk Across Texas State is produced by Emily Hawarney and Zachary Webb. Music by Richard Hall. For free resources and additional information about our services, head over to careerservices.txstate.edu and follow us on social media at txstcareers. Don't forget to like and subscribe to hear new episodes every other Tuesday each semester. Thanks for listening and we will see you soon.